A reading from Numbers. From Mount Hor they sent out by the way, way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness, where there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food? Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God, you call us to be your people. You lead us through the wilderness. You give us grace upon grace. Help us be responsive to your love. Amen. So the sermon is based on the Old Testament lesson. As I've been here long enough, you know that most of the time I preach on the gospel because the gospel has Jesus in it. And I always like to focus on Jesus. But I thought the gospel lesson is so well known that I would come at it from the Old Testament. I mean, John 3.16. Don't forget John 3.17. So, what do we do with the Old Testament? We read it, and we think, what does it have to do with us? That was so long ago. And it doesn't seem like good news. Snakes biting you. That doesn't seem like good news. And, and it rubs us the wrong way. Why would God punish us? Why does God send poisonous snakes to punish human beings for making mistakes? And... and What do we do with a snake lifted up on a pole that heals all of the bites? You know, we're modern. Where's the anti-venom? Where's the splint that covers the leg? And where's God that we are comfortable and safe with? The Hebrew people really messed up. The three verses that we skipped today talks about an enemy of the Israelites stealing away some of the people. And then they pray to God and God says they're destroyed. That's a whole nother problem. 
But what it does for this text is, God has just saved them. But the people wandered in the wilderness. And the God that touched their life was not safe and was not a comfortable companion. Starts out with Moses and Pharaoh. God sent ten plagues. People died. The God of Israel beat the Egyptian gods, including the divine Pharaoh. And the people flee their slavery. And they're following God as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And that scared the Egyptians as they're crossing the sea, the pillar stands in front of them, stopping them from getting the people. And so then it goes on, the people wander in the wilderness, and at Sinai, God, Sinai, yeah, Sinai wouldn't be too bad either, fitting for that story, would it? Sinai, and God thunders on the mountain and there's fire and smoke and the Ten Commandments are given and the people of Israel are terrified. It's not a picture of snuggling up to a warm, comfortable God. And the people don't trust God. So, there's that little couple lines. Oh, we hate being away from Egypt with the flesh pots and the good leeks and the food that we have. We have no food and we have no water and we're dying in the desert and we hate this food that you're giving us. What? I think that's one of the most hilarious verses in the Bible. We are starving, we have no food, we have no water, and the food you're giving us we hate. What? And so the people are grumbling. And God sends snakes. Everybody has a snake story, right? Yes? No? You're all sleeping? Oh, thank you. Okay. I have a snake story for you. John and Margie, my son and daughter-in-law, bought a house out in the country. And, and the man who sold them the house said, Yeah, my lawnmower broke and, and I haven't mowed the lawn in a couple weeks. I think weeks and his time period equaled years. It was deep. And so we're working on the house. First thing John said is, Dad, what should I do? And I looked at him and I said, put a match to it. Ooh, he didn't like that. So we're working in August. It's hot. It's nasty. 
it's dirty, it's dirty, it's dirty. And so we come outside and there's this nice red oak tree there. And Jane and I are sitting under the oak tree, resting, cooling off, looking at the tree, and we're saying, well, there's some branches up in that tree that probably should be cut and trimmed out. So we're looking at the tree, and we're looking at the tree, and pretty soon we saw a branch that was about seven foot long. And Jane said, I think that branch is looking at us. And it was. It was a fox snake. They're native to Iowa. They live in the prairie, the long grass. That's why it was at John's house, because the previous owner didn't do anything with the long grass. They eat gophers and mice in holes. They eat birds in trees. They eat squirrels. They eat everything, and when it's seven foot long and about that big around, there. There's my snake story. God has a snake story, too. The people are grumbling against God. And so God sends them some snakes. Notice that the text doesn't say God sent the snakes as punishment. It says God sent the snakes. And the people drew to the conclusion that they were there to punish them. And the people said God is punishing us. And so they asked Moses, pray for us. Get rid of the snakes. Take the serpents from us. So Moses prayed. Moses was very good at communicating with God. And God said he would deliver them. The serpents, the snakes, did not stop biting. The serpents, the snakes, did not go away. Instead, God told Moses to build a snake, put it on a pole, and let the people look at it. It's interesting. God brings healing to the very point where the sting is the worst. So the people had a healing. When they were bitten with a snake, they would look at the bronze serpent and it would heal them. What might kill also gave life. We understand that. We know how to milk a snake of its poison and then turn the poison into a cure. But the people were missing the point. They could have been going from God's grace to God's grace, but they didn't. They worshipped the fiery serpent after a while, just like they worshipped the golden calf. They thought 
it was better to worship bronze rather than the creator. And they had sinful consequences. So in our gospel lesson, it says Jesus will be lifted up in the same way Moses lifted up the bronze snake. So Jesus is hanging on a cross just like the snake was hanging on a pole. Many were doomed to die. But when we look upon him, we are saved and gain eternal life. Keeping our eye on Jesus is what is so important. Keeping our faith that God gives to us on Jesus is so important. So what do we do with snakes? Why in this Testament, Old Testament lesson, are snakes there? And what do they, what can they mean for us? I would guess that most people are afraid of snakes. Yes? Yes. Maybe that's the lesson. What are the snakes in our life that we are afraid of. Maybe it's our own behavior. Maybe because we don't look at our behavior and only see the behavior of our neighbor. The people in the desert had to confront themselves. There were no Egyptians to blame. There were no Canaanites to blame. It was just God's people in the desert. And they looked at themselves, and there was evil within, and there was evil without, and there was a plague of snakes. The plague of snakes might represent how unpredictable life is. It might represent a snake bite where survival hangs in the balance between life and death. It might remind us that God so loved the world that that is our help and strength. We do have snakes all around us, not just at John's house in a tree. We have the poison of our own words. We have the poison of our own shortcomings. We have the poison of our own failings. And when a cross is lifted up, we see God's love. So lifting up of the serpent was a preview of the cross of Christ. In the Old Testament, God preserved Israel. And God was practicing, you might say, a way of salvation. 
a way that would lead to the Son of Man being born, a way of the cross. It would duplicate that salvation with the cross there is conversion and healing and life with the cross there is hope John 17 life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is life. Anything else is not. There's two different stories about the bronze serpent and the cross of Christ. Jesus was crucified on a wooden cross after his resurrection that wooden cross disappears. It would never be seen again. The bronze serpent on the pole, it saved the people, and they carried it with them from the wilderness into the land of the promise, into the building of a temple, into the holy of holies, where only God could go. And there it remained for 250 years. Then that bronze serpent on a pole ran into trouble. The reformer, King Hezekiah, destroyed it. Why? The people were worshiping an idol. That living, saving serpent on a pole was put inside a worship space. The desert was forgotten until Christ comes on another cross that cannot be made into an idol. So what do we do with our God? Do we like a God who loves us and is comfortable to be around and gives us comfort? We do. But we must not forget the other side of God, that wild side, that dangerous side, the side that comes into our life when we want predictability and we receive surprise. When we think we have God figured out and we ignore the mystery and the power of God in our life. When we have a domesticated, predictable God, that God does not lead people out of slavery into freedom. The God we have is wild, is powerful and leads us into a faithful life. So we are in the season of Lent. It's a time to look at our sins and realize they are not a trite manner. 
matter. They can't be scrubbed away. They are there. The Israelites went from faith in God in verses 1, 2, and 3 to grumbling in verses 5, 6. They went from grumbling into faithfulness, from faithfulness into grumbling, from dying to being raised in Christ. And that's our story, too. God could snap his fingers and make us perfect at the moment of our baptism. But the truth is, that doesn't happen that way. We are saved by grace and grace alone. And we need to look to the cross for our salvation. So Lent is here. We can think about sin. We can think about the serpents at our feet. We can think about praying. But we must keep our eyes on Christ. Amen.